The Last African. The The Last Advocate of Marche Tilton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Last Advocate with me, Marche Taylor Templeton. I am so excited to share this uh, episode with you all, and I truly hope you enjoy it. I sat down with uh, five mothers of black sons for conversations, um, a lot of conversation. Uh, But we focused on how we educate, advocate, and celebrate our black sons. And I can tell you that I have listened and listened, and I I, I can't wait for you to listen. Uh, Please share your thoughts with us. We recorded this episode uh, using social distancing measures via phone. So um, unlike uh, most most podcasts that we've done, uh, they're kind of been in person. So we uh, had to use some technology (laughs) this time. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to uh, hold hands or give hugs um, after such a uh, passionate and and inspiring interview. But uh, I am so, so thankful that we were able to record and that we are able to share our experiences and our thoughts about raising black sons. Thank you and enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be a part of this conversation with me today. Um, I, I have to admit that this is such a highly emotional time that I wasn't sure anyone was going to feel like it. You know, just I live with this every day. I really don't feel like talking about it anymore um, than I already have to. And I just appreciate you agreeing to uh, spend some time with me to talk about these things. Um, Absolutely. I first want to ask you, how old are your sons? I have a 20-year-old and a 10-year-old. <laughs> so, so when you're having these conversations with your sons, uh, especially about being specifically a black boy, because I, I want to be clear, I understand that as mothers of any child, we want our children to be healthy and happy and well-rounded and live out their dreams and be successful. Um, I know that that is what every parent and what every mother uh, specifically wants for their child. So, but this angle is different because this isn't about, even at this point, the color of the mother. What I am talking about today is what conversations, how we feel and what we have to do differently because we're raising black sons and you have a 20 year old and you have a 10 year old. So I am guessing that your conversations differ or are they the same for both? They differ. 100% differ. Um, My 20 year old is an adult. So we can have the harder conversations and really get into what's going on in the world. 
my 10-year-old is a very sensitive person, and his father is a police officer. And so I'm very careful about our conversation about what's going on in the world. And I mainly listen more to him and respond to his questions um, than have, you know, just a dialogue. Has either one of them, have either one of them expressed any type of fear for being black? No, not fear. Their their main question is, what did I do? So they think that, well, they thought that something that they did caused outside races to feel that they are bad. And I had to explain to them, you've done nothing. Mm-hmm. You exist, and unfortunately in this country, a black man existing has been deemed a crime, but you haven't done anything wrong. Um, and from there, we have the conversation about, well, I try to uplift them, and I try to make sure that they appreciate and love being black men, and I give them reasons why they should. Um, and I I run down briefly the history of America and why we were brought here and how we were temporarily, we were supposed to be here temporarily, but that we stayed and it's been an ongoing struggle since then. But I make sure that my children know that being a black man is a blessing and a privilege. And it's so funny that you say that because I was, uh, I was just thinking about the conversations that we have to have and I, started to get upset because I have to have these conversations with my sons about things that are completely out of their control it is absolutely nothing they can do about it it does not matter where we move them it does not matter uh, how educated his parents are uh, their parents are it does not matter and these things are out of their control and we are uh, forced to to deal with it. I There's this saying, I'm sure you're familiar with it, it is what it is. And I've always hated that saying because I always lived by, well, no, it isn't, it is what it is, it is what you make it. And this is one right. circumstance where I have to stand back and I have to say, okay, it is what it is. And I have to figure out how I'm going to maneuver and function in it. Yep. Yep. I, um, go ahead. It's hard. As a mother, you are programmed to be the protector and to feel so out of control about what's going on. Mm. is extremely stressful for a mother. We're supposed to protect our children. We're supposed to you know, make sure that no harm comes to them. But we don't have any control over what someone else thinks when they look at our children. I have a 20-year-old son. To me, he's a kid. He is a kid. I know him. But when we're in the car together, when and he's sitting up front, he's six feet tall, I have to say to him, if we get pulled over by the police, make sure you put your hands on the dashboard. Don't fumble with your cell phone. Don't get excited. Just look straight ahead. You know, I have to coach him on what to do if we get pulled over. Because he looks like a man to them, and he looks like a threat to them. 
That's terrifying to me. No, it 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 is. It's funny because I am happy, kind of, that uh, because of COVID nineteen, uh, I can still kind of work on semi shutdown mode, um, mm-hmm. because of all the heightened sensitivities that's going on in the world right now with the protests. Um, I feel extra protective of my kids. Yeah. Like I, I don't want, don't look at them. You don't love them. Get away from them. Like, and, and I can't yeah. be that person, but that is who I am right now today. And I have to be honest with you. Um, you asked me when we were speaking uh, earlier, you know, what made me want to have these conversations and what I didn't say was how I really feel because I'm extremely selfish right now. And I feel like I need to know what other people are. I, I need to make sure I'm not alone. Am I, am I losing control right now? Am I losing it? <laughs> like I need to talk to some mothers of black sons and I need to hear from them and I need to be reassured that I am not on this Island alone. Um, trying to figure out what to do and try to do everything right. When ultimately I feel helpless and I I'm trying to fight through feeling hopeless. And uh, one of my biggest fears is not being here to protect my sons, not being at the school when I need to be not being at one of their extracurricular activities when I needed to be there, not being at the daggone grocery store with them when I needed to be there. And that is a control that I can't have. And because they're six and four, I can have a lot more control, but every day, every day they grow older, I'm going to lose that. What are your fears? The same thing. So my 20 year old, um, goes to college and he lives on campus, not now because of the uh, shutdown, but he lives on campus. And like you said, one of my biggest, my biggest fear is I can't get my hands on you. Um, if something happens, how fast can I get to his school to make sure that he's okay? Um, like I said before, we are protectors and I call us mama bears. And, you know, a mama bear will fight to the death yes. for her children. She's yes. super protective of her children. And I've always been that way. Um, I don't know many mothers who aren't. But, so, yes, my fear is the lack of control. I worry if I prepared him for any and every scenario. Um, you know, he's such a trusting person and such a, a sweet-natured person. I'm worried he's going to be taken advantage of, or I'm worried that he won't notice when there is an issue Mm -hmm. and it has to do with race and that he's in danger. Mm -hmm. That scares me to death because he's used to befriending other races and he doesn't know that there's too many of them that don't like us. Um, For my youngest, um... He's still young enough, and I hate to use the word control, but I'm still very much in control of his day-to-day. And so I'm worried that he's going to be fearful and not live his life to Mm. the fullest. Mm. You never want that for your children. Yes. I want him to have a fearless life. 
Um, so I'm very particular and very, very aware of how often, if any, the TV is on with the news because I want to give the information. I want him to get the information from the news, from the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have age-appropriate conversations with him. So I know I got off topic with that, which is my fear. No, no, but it, it, it all relates it all relates. I, I do want to uh, be respectful of your time because I know for me, I could go all day. I'll go make a <laughs> snack, come back with a glass of wine. It, this this right. could go all day for me. But I, I did for all the women uh, that I'm going to have a conversation with today, all of the, uh, to get to it, all the mothers of black sons, I am asking them um, specifically how do you educate, how do you advocate, and how do you celebrate your black sons? And I am asking you, like I said before, uh, part of it is selfish reasons. The other part is I want us to share, and the other part is I want us to inspire and uplift each other. And if you can just briefly, uh, in a couple of words, couple of sentences, tell me um, how you educate advocate and celebrate your black sons i I just would really appreciate that and and i will uh let you lose to enjoy this beautiful day that i am uh, (laughs) keeping you from right now okay so how i educate them i make it a point to teach them about the african continent and that there's more to black history than martin luther king and malcolm x we have conversations about inventors that people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. We have conversations about ancient kings that people don't bring up. Mm. Um, I make sure that they know that being black didn't start from slavery. Mm. Um, advocate for them. I advocate by being involved in school. I make sure that the teacher knows that I am an active and involved parent and that I want him to get, have the best education he can and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that that's possible. I celebrate my sons by showing my love because love is an action word. So I give hugs. I tell them your skin is beautiful. Your locks, we all have locks. I tell them how beautiful their locks are. We have conversations about their locks constantly. Um, I tell them how smart they are, and I praise them for being kind men. I think that's really important to celebrate your sons, not for being macho or, you know, a lady killer. No, he's a kind man. He's a gentle man. That's how I celebrate them. So let me tell you, I uh, I am ending this, but I am ending this with tears in my eyes, and I am so glad that I have decided to ask every every mother of black sons uh, that I'm interviewing today this question. But now I'm like, am I going to be able to handle these answers when they come? <laughs> um, thank you so very much for taking the time to share. Uh, thank you for uh, loving your black sons, and thank you for sharing them with the world that uh, doesn't even recognize 
what beautiful creatures they are, but you do it anyway. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. I love these conversations. I'm like you. I can go on and on forever. Um, I appreciate that I have people in my life that want to have these conversations and are actively working towards letting the world know that our black boys are worthy. Indeed. I'll talk to you soon. All right, then. Last Advocate with Marshay Taylor Templeton, now streaming on all platforms. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today. Like I am sitting here, I'm so excited because I know that you and I have these conversations a lot about our black sons so i knew right off the jump that i wanted to ask you to be a part of it so i'm so happy that you actually agreed well i am so happy that you invited me it's my pleasure to take part in this conversation thank you thank you so wait let me start here how old is your son your black my son i'm sorry i want to I, I, I want to be extremely listen how old is your black son? My six foot three, a uh, hundred seventy-five, eighty-pound black boy is seventeen, and he will be eighteen in just uh, just over a month, actually. Well, congratulations to you uh, for having a now high school graduate. Thank you. What an accomplishment! I um. It's so funny when you were describing uh, him in size, I shook my head because mm -hmm. for some people alone, he wouldn't even have to open his mouth. He wouldn't have to uh, say anything that could be perceived because uh, we have these conversations because what, what, what is it that you tell me about perception? Perception is uh, reality. And, um, you know, a long time ago, I think it was probably around the time that Trayvon was murdered, I realized that my son, my big black son, is not seen as a boy. He was not seen as a boy at that point. It was that reality that was very disheartening that my black boy was only a black boy to me and is only a black boy to me. Um, he looks like a grown man, but he is still a boy. 18 doesn't make you a man. Um, and, and it's scary. You know, it's so funny because I, I feel like uh, we have to be intentional and purposeful with everything we do when it comes to our black sons. Um, I mean, for me, it, it's down to where you live. It's down to what college we're going to send you to because I don't want to send you to a college where they're not used to seeing black kids or you'll be in a, caught in a situation where you're the only black kid and you end up being the only black kid charged with something. Like, it has so many moving parts when I just want my child to be able to say, Mom, I've worked hard and I want to go to this school. And I say, okay, 
But I got to think about well, everything. You're going to live on campus. Where you going? Like everything. And it is draining. And I want to talk to you just about that. Because my kids aren't there yet. But yours are. Uh, well, your son is. And I just want to talk about that. So interestingly, um, you know, you have, when you move to, you know, the suburbs, you you know, you perceive that you are going, you are giving your children the best education. And education extends far beyond what you learn from books. Um, and, you know, living in such a, a community, there are many times that, you know, my son is the only black child in an AP class or an advanced class. And impressing upon him that he belongs there, even though that's not the greater perception, but really impressing, you belong here. This mm-hmm. is this is yours, too. I work hard so you can be here, too. You have a seat at the table. And sometimes we have to fight for that seat. No, but absolutely do. So you talk about colleges and such. Yes, you want your children to have a sense of belonging. And I'm a very strong supporter of historically black colleges. I am the fourth generation um, graduate from a historically black college. And that's, you know, for black people, that's not the norm. Um, but in my family, education was was that important. This is generation, he will be generation number five. Um, and I think it's important to go to an HBCU where you can um, completely opposite to his experience in high school, he can have a totally different experience where he is has a sense of belonging within his um, school. So I think that that's also important. I mean, just learning who you are. I don't think I really understood that until I went to an HBCU and and being willing to be a voice. No, absolutely. I you know so. When I, when I think about these conversations that I'm going to have today and think about the things that I'm going to say and, and think about where I want the conversation to go, I, I think a lot about uh, what you just said as far as a seat at the table and you belong here. I, I don't want my black sons to shrink because of this world. I, I want them mm-hmm. to walk tall. I want them to be proud. Um, I don't want them to diminish themselves in any way to make someone else feel comfortable. But I have to be honest that uh, with a six and four year year old black boy uh, right now, two black boys, I don't think I necessarily know how to walk that tightrope just yet. I don't know how to to. I'm learning and and today the world is teaching me that everything that I thought doesn't matter and I've got to go harder and I got to go deeper and I have to get more uncomfortable. And, and to be quite honest, there is a very delicate balance between, um, you know, raising, having a little boy and raising a man. Um, while you want your sons to be able to be children as long as they can, you know, those, Small conversations are important now. Um, you know, when before Trayvon and even, you know, I'm sure long before Trayvon, these conversations were had where you comply, you know, but complying doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to you're going to exit a, a situation safely. 
Um, but having these conversations at a young age, like, well, what do you do when you get pulled over by the police? What do you do when, you know, how do you, how do you make people feel comfortable? Your smile. How do you disarm people? You're six foot, you're six feet tall, you're dark skinned, you're a black boy. How do you disarm people? Why do you have to disarm people? Why? Why do you have to disarm people? Why can't you wear a hood when you're driving? Why can't you wear a hood when you're walking to the bus stop and it's 30 degrees outside? Perception, back to perception. Perception is reality. If you're perceived as a threat, you are a threat. And unfortunately, these are the conversations that you have to have at a young age with your boys. No, you can't run around with a toy gun. You're not, you don't get to do that. I'm sorry, but we gotta, we have to play with other things that are less threatening. Um, so unfortunately, these are the conversations that at a such, at such a young age that you begin to have with your black boys. Well, well, why can't I play with that guy? Well, it's just not, you know, right now, it's just not a safe thing to do. It's just, you know, it's, let's play with something else. Kind of like getting that off of the, the agenda mm-hmm. for them. Like get that, like, we're not even going to play that. Yeah. We don't get um, to play the same games as others. No, we don't. Great perception. Perception is reality. Um, so, you know, uh, the conversations, you know, as they get older and as they experience things, um, you know, they they become very different and serious. Um, when my son, when we first uh, moved to where we are now, um, after school, he asked me if he could go to a friend's house. Well, he's new to this neighborhood. He didn't know exactly where that friend lived. And, you know, he and several other friends were walking around in the, in the neighborhood um, you know, trying to communicate via cell phone, just identifying where this young man lived. Subsequently, a neighborhood, a neighbor called the police on my black son, um, who again perceived to be a man. Um, and the police arrived and they asked to search his backpack. Well, what have I told him that he needs to do? Comply. Let him search your backpack. Whatever fallout comes of it, we will deal with that at a later time, but you have to comply. So let me stop you there. I am going to stop you there because I am going to uh, go back and I'm going to go back to a story that you and I had uh, have mm-hmm. had uh, conversations about dealing with your brother mm. and um, not to get fully into the story, but he had a run in with uh some police officers and because your uh, a close family member happened to be a, a higher up in the police department, uh, things went a little differently. And because uh, it was the nineties and, and I'm going to be straight up with you. I feel like in the nineties, we were a different type of empowered people. We were a, I know my rights, sir, <laughs> Mr. Mm-hmm. Officer, and you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And no, that is a violation of my rights. And to me, we have taken us taken a step back because mm-hmm. back then we felt empowered to say no, no, no. And today in 2020, a police officer stops to speak with your son. The goal is to get home. 
So you tell them to comply. Comply. So, yeah, that's a far cry from the 90s. Um, So there was a a situation where my brother, again, you know, he's out in the community where we live. And um, he was at the park and uh, neighbors called the police and said that there was some drug activity going on (laughs) at the park. I mean, you have, again, these six foot four, six foot five black boys outside playing basketball and you're, the police are called because they're uh, allegedly selling drugs or interacting in some illegal behavior. Well, the police did arrive and they did, um, I, I would say they apprehended them because they weren't able to leave um, on their free will. Um, but when it was identified, the name was identified and the association was made out of, I guess, respect for um, that family member. They called the house and they, they asked for permission to search the car because my brother, knowing his rights, said, no, you don't have permission to search my car. You don't have a warrant. You may not search my car. So they called the house to get permission from um, my father and he wasn't there. And they ended up speaking to my mother. And again, she reiterated, you do not have permission to search my car. They immediately hung up. Well, luckily, we knew where my brother was. We knew the park. It wasn't far away. We drove there. And he was still being held. And my mother, um, again, in the 90s, we we felt some sense of uh, being able to uh, uh, push back on our rights. And and she said, you know, is he being arrested or, or not? Because if he's not, then this is it. This is, you know, you need to go on about your business and we're going to go on about our business, but you don't have um, permission to search my car. If you want to get a warrant, feel free to do so. But at this point, this is, this is done. But she felt empowered to do so. But now you can't do that. You cannot do that. You You just have to go with the program. Uh, It is. Get up your right. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Listen to me. I, 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 I told the first uh, mother that I spoke to today that this is such a selfish move for me. Like I, I, I needed to talk to some women of black sons and, and I needed to soak up some of that energy and soak up. Uh, I'm so glad that I'm, I'm speaking to mothers of older children first because older black boys first, because that, that kind of helps me, um, know that you know I, I i'm moving like a like a snail i'm, I'm moving because i'm uncomfortable but i'm definitely moving and i'm gonna keep moving i i feel like this conversation is so much bigger and i wish i had all day to uh <laughs> continue these conversations which i'm sure we will offline but for the sake of your time and our audience i i am asking every mother of black sons uh, one final question and mm-hmm. um that is how do you educate advocate and celebrate your black son so educate advocate and celebrate can you share with me um educate uh i sent my son to school well i sent sent him to school for 13 years to get his formal education but his education really begins here at home so reading the miseducation of the negro and explaining to him what that means and and reading about uh experiences that our people endured so he knows his history so i think that's number one um and and by doing so you do have a strong sense of self 
no, we are not what people portray us to be. And so that's number one, educate, um, advocate. I am my son's biggest cheerleader. And what I mean by that, whether it be school and I feel that something was he was slighted or, or punished in a, a different in a different way that one of his peers was punished, oh I'm I will be up in there in everybody's face and not disrespectfully. However, um, what we're not gonna do is punish my child differently than another child is being punished mm-hmm. or treat him differently or move him in the classroom into you know, to an island unto himself in a classroom where he is the minority. We're not having that. So educate, advocate, and what was the last? Empower? Celebrate. Celebrate. Whenever my son accomplishes anything, I celebrate. I'm so proud of you because these are words that he will not hear as a black man in his adult life. I'm proud of you. Well done. Let's push forward. Uh, How can we make this a better? How can we have a better outcome next time? What do you think about it? How do you think we can solve this? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I I truly appreciate you taking the time and sharing with me today. I um I'm getting nervous because this I, I wanted uh this podcast to be maybe forty five minutes, but I, these conversations are so amazing that I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a three part series by the time I get done, but I am certainly okay with it because these words are necessary. Thank you for uh, advocating for your black son and thank you for celebrating him and for loving him and sharing him with the world. I love you and I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Love you much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to the conversation. I'm so excited to have you uh, talking with me about being a mother of a black son. Thank you so much. I know that uh, being a voice in this and, and being a part of this conversation yeah, can get a little emotional and, it, and times mm-hmm. like this become mentally exhausting. So uh, thank you for being willing to talk about it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm um interested to have this conversation and just to share, you know, how I'm feeling. It's a lot different than I was feeling this time last year. Absolutely. Maybe even a few, a few months ago. So it's an overwhelming of emotions and just trying to work through all that so that I don't drive myself crazy. Yeah, because then our mental health becomes an issue as well. Yes, yes, yes. So let me start off by asking you, how old is your black son? He's five years old. He uh, just finished kindergarten. He will be turning six next month and will be enrolling in first grade in the fall. So I'm going to hop right into it. I have not asked anyone else this question, so um, I was taken aback by it. So I want you to join me in being taken aback by it, okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Black boys, including your black son, are born with a disadvantage. Do you agree with that? Yes. I do agree with it. Um, If it's something that we didn't recognize as black mothers prior to 2020, we are definitely being hit in the face with it now. Um, 
I think we don't really see the disadvantages that they have until you're in a school system and you are seeing firsthand how they are treated um, compared to some of their other counterparts. Um, I've even seen and heard of disadvantages between little black boys and little black girls, Mm. um, which is upsetting. And I can honestly say I do remember some of that as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a next door neighbor who was a black family and they had a son and some of the um, issues that they experienced in the public school system, my sister and I did not have. And this was, you know, 30 some years ago. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I've had this conversation, not during this uh, podcast series, but just in general that uh, the differences between black males and black uh, females, black girls and black boys. And Mm -hmm. I mean, even down to black boys being the last ones uh, adopted. I mean, even down to that. And it it just, and and you said something else. You did not recognize it. And not Mm -hmm. only did you probably not recognize it, but your parents probably didn't recognize it. And his parents probably didn't recognize it because I think we we tried to believe in the 80s and the 90s that we could just coexist Mm -hmm. and we didn't have to focus on being the black family or the black kids and we could just uh, live. Uh, The civil Mm -hmm. rights era had passed, you know, all these things that we had fought for, you know, they were now in the past and and now we, we were moving forward and we were, empowered and we were educated and I had this Mm -hmm. conversation with um the previous mother and we felt that at any given moment we could tell you exactly what our rights are and why they're our rights and quote them down to however (laughs) much we needed to and now the objective is just to get your black son home so none of that ever even matters now it it doesn't I mean yes we have this so-called thing called right but you know if in a circumstance he you know is pulled over by a cop for me what I will teach him it's not about your rights you get home you remember the respectful tone and manner um that we me and your father have taught you it's not about your right you get home and if we feel like your rights have been violated then we will take the necessary legal measures but your responsibility is to get home I saw this video on abcnews.com and it was this uh, video of, of it was it was black mothers or maybe it wasn't just black mothers. It was mothers of black sons, definitely. And it featured uh, children all the way up to adulthood. And they were asking the question, when did I become a threat to you? Um, you have oh. a five year old and I can. I already know that he's absolutely adorable and he's probably adorable to mostly everyone. But when he becomes 15, when he turns 25, when he becomes 35, uh, that cute baby that we love so much won't be Mm -hmm. so cute to everyone. And I am as a mother 
of a four and six year old trying to figure out navigating these conversations. Are you having these conversations with him at this age? Up until this point, no, I have not. Um, I, I think about it more now and just trying to figure out the best way to speak to him as a five-year-old so that he understands because the conversation will change when, you know, he's a six- or seven-year-old. And so just trying to figure out what is the best way to explain this uh, to him. I know that, you know, I've been recommended um, – different websites and, and books to purchase. And I am in the process of finding a couple of those um, just to have to read those and then, you know, discuss it and see how he feels. But with most things that are serious um, to me, they pretty much go over his head. We'll explain it and then he'll be back to playing and watching his shows. But I still think that now more than ever is the time to start having these conversations, but for a five-year-old. Yes. And in a way that they will understand it and that it would make sense to them in this, this, this time in their lives. So I've been doing a lot of uh, Internet searching and I've been looking at these tech talks or just looking at uh, different speaking um, engagements around uh, raising black sons or being a black son. And uh, I ran across this one where uh, this guy was talking about. Uh, he had gone on a field trip with his uh, high school class and uh, mm. his parents were chaperones and he was one of a small group of black kids in, in this group. And they were all in the hotel uh, parking lot playing with water guns, just kind of having a big yeah. super soaker, great, fabulous end of the year time and how his mm-hmm. father yanked him up. And pulled him in and had to have the uncomfortable conversation that you can't get away with the things that your counterparts get away with. To everyone else, Mm -hmm. they're having fun. But to someone that pulls up and sees this six foot black kid with a gun, because that's all they'll see is that it's a gun. It'll be a different story. And it made me incredibly sad. And it was overwhelming to me because... This goes beyond anything that we have control over. The the things that we have control over, like where we decide to raise our kids, what school we mm-hmm. decide to put them in, um, just just things that we have some control over. It defies all of that, and yeah. and we're left to figure it out. And and I'm going to tell you, I'm being extremely selfish and and I said this previously with these conversations because I'm trying to get with mothers of black sons and steal all your ideas because mm-hmm. I don't understand what's <laughs> happening. I, I I need some I don't think any of us do honestly. And that's and and, and that's just it. We don't know. And we are left to console each other. We are left to hold each other. We are left to to uplift each other, support uh-huh. each other. And it is, it's hard. It is. It, it is very hard. Um, I think what gets me through, or I know what gets me through, is that when I have these, you know, these feelings when I read, you know, news articles and social media and watch TV, 
what is it fear that prevents me from doing things and making decisions? Because I never want fear to be the reason why I do something or the reason why I do, I don't do something. I mean, just, just to even define the word fear, you know, it's that, you know, that unpleasant feeling, that emotion Mm -hmm. that we have because we believe that something is dangerous or that something bad is going to happen. And so if, if I can believe that something bad is going to happen, I can also believe that good will happen, that my family is covered. Yes. So, you know, for me, for me, you know, fear is a choice and I just choose not to let fear interfere with the decisions that I make for my family. Your family is covered. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that that just goes, you know, to what you believe in, regardless of religion. I mean, hopefully we all believe in something greater than ourselves. And, you know, I'm not familiar with all the religions, but I'm almost certain that fear is not something that your God gives you. And if my God didn't give it to me, then it has no place in my home. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, it's 2050. It's 2050 and uh-huh. you have a black grandson. Are we going to still be having these same conversations? I want to say no. I have to believe that this is not going to be forever. I, I have to believe it. No, I, I um, want you to. Like, I, I need you to. <laughs> I need you to so I can. No, I need this. This is the conversation I need. Yes. Yes, I have to believe that, yes, we will have conversations. The world is, is steady of evolving and growing, and we have no idea what the world will even look like a year from now. Like, none of us thought that this time last year or even six months ago, this is what our world would look like. Um. So 2050, I have to believe that these young people are going to continue to do the work that they are out here doing, that laws will change, that the government will change, that the struggle that we are going through and enduring now is not in vain. And that all of this means something. And if it means a better future for our children and our grandchildren, then it's all worth it to me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So I am asking one question to every mother of black sons. How do you educate, advocate and celebrate your black son? So that's educate, advocate and celebrate them. Um, something that um, I'm doing and I didn't even realize that I was doing it um, when selecting the school that he's currently in. He is in a Black-owned school, Black faculty, um, Black classmates. And something that was brought to my attention maybe about a year ago at his uh, pre-K-4 graduation was how proud these students are to be Black. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I never thought of how I would instill that in him. Maybe I thought just because he was a black boy, that's something that came with it, with being black. But 
I realized that this is something that is being taught to him. Love is being poured into him, of course, at home and in our family, but in school. And these children, you know, with their speeches and their dances, were just so proud of the skin that they were in. And so not realizing it, sending him to this school has been a way to celebrate um, his culture and his race and his ethnicity. And I'm just so proud that we made the decision to do this at such a young age, such a developmental age, Mm -hmm. where no matter where he goes after this, he will know who he is. And, you know, regardless of how anyone else might feel about it, he'll be proud and he'll be able to stand up because of the foundation um, that he had at such a very young age. Um, Yeah, to celebrate... I can't think of anything that we do specifically. Um, I think about, you know, being a mother, of course, I think about how my sister and I were raised. And one thing that I realized, you know, as an adult and definitely as a mother was the amount of love that was poured into us. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it, of course, as a child, but as an adult, it was like, it was almost like someone had a picture of love and it was constantly being poured into us to the point that it was oozing out of us. Mm -hmm. And it definitely shaped how I am as an adult and, you know, what I look for and what I expected and how I'm raising him. And I think that is something that I know I'm mindful of. I know his father is mindful of that. We just continue to love and hug on this little boy. um, And just to let him know that he is loved and to make sure that he feels safe and protected. Absolutely. And that's the way you advocate for him as well. Making him feel safe and protected. And it's so important and it's so necessary. So I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for bringing this beautiful black boy into this world uh, and giving him love so that he'll be able to show love. And and hopefully in 2050 in a world that's going to love him back. Thank you, thank you, Absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, just listening to that again, it just gets me all emotional uh, all over again. Um, this next part, part two, uh, the emotions still run high, and we are still uh, talking to mothers of black sons. Uh, Please tune in for the last two mothers. Welcome to part two of the last advocates conversation with mothers of black sons. Um, The first part we spoke with three mothers and uh, for the final uh, part, we're going to speak with two mothers and we'll continue the conversation. I have to admit that uh, you'll hear me a couple of times during this podcast, speak about how uh, this whole idea of a conversation with mothers of black sons, uh, it was conjured up by by me and some, some selfish reasons I had because I was feeling a little lost and I was feeling a little emotional over the last few uh, weeks. And I just wanted to connect to some other women uh, of black sons. And I, I took an opportunity to reach out And I am so excited and thankful for the women who uh, at such an emotional time said yes 
and had a conversation with me about raising their black sons, I think that this is the time to reach out, make those connections. Uh, we are definitely better together. And I am certainly better uh, from speaking with these ladies. So I thank you all for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today talking about your black son. I truly appreciate you and I, and I look forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Thanks for having me and thanks for considering me. Yes. So tell me this. How old is your son? He's seven. He just turned seven uh, on the 31st of May. 31st of May. And are you ready or have circumstances catapulted you into a conversation or life? Have you had to have any kind of conversation with your son about race at this point? As a seven-year-old, um, a, a few times. Um, there was one last year, and he asked about black girls, and I told him that black women were magical, <laughs> and they have to be protected, and that uh, the world humanity started from a black woman, and it's your duty to protect the black woman. And so, and I said, and that means black girls at your school, too. And they said, don't let people pick on them, and you don't pick on them, and you don't call them names, and you don't let other people call them names. So that was one uh, conversation we had. And then I read a lot of chat books with with black characters. Mm -hmm. Um, But the most um, startling question he asked was after the... um, the George Floyd Black Lives Matter um, uh, vigil, mm-hmm. he asked, which one with being black? Which one with black skin? And I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with black skin. He said, then why do people hate it? Oh, my gosh. And then I said, we'll talk later. And I haven't gotten around to that conversation because I just want to... <sighs> I want to... I, I, I would love to say... He's too young for me to, uh, how can I word this? You know, I don't want to give him a superiority complex Mm -hmm. at this age. Mm -hmm. So I would love to be like, because, you know, our skin is amazing and and people are jealous of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would love to go into that conversation with him. But I think he's too young. And then he might project that at school. And then that'll cause division. He won't know how to uh, utilize that information correctly yet. But um, I've just been thinking of how to have that conversation with him. And and I I realize now it's time to have that conversation about how he interacts with his other friends and how he won't be able to do the exact things that they do and how he has to move differently and to be cautious of his surroundings, um, especially as it pertains to, you know, authority. Yeah. No, absolutely. I I go back and forth with this because we want to give our children uh, enough information to pr- to protect them, so so that they that they uh, they know you know what to expect from people, and they they. But but you don't want to tell them so much that it breaks their spirit. 
So it is overwhelming to me. I I personally have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And to know that you're uh, black boys, to know that your seven-year-old is already asking what's wrong with uh, being black overwhelms me. And, and I have said it on a couple of other interviews I've had today that this is, I, I, I wish I, I wish I didn't have to say this, but this is one of my most selfish moments because this whole idea is derived from my uh, becoming overwhelmed these last couple of weeks and me needing to connect with some mothers of black sons and hearing about their experiences and, and hearing how they handle it. But I am so glad that he asked you that and you paused because with so much emotion running, there's so mm-hmm. much you could have said, but you paused and that's going to give you time to, to be a little more intentional and thoughtful with what you say. Right. And that's my intention. And, and my son is very dark. So there's no mistaking his, of his identity on any level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, you know, even within our community, there's colorism issues and mm-hmm. and so forth. And I want him to love his skin um, and love the skin he's in and love others that look like him and mm-hmm. honor them. Um, that's important to me. Um, and, and even when I'm lotioning him after the shower, like I... I try to speak into that. Like mm-hmm. I said, oh, come here, Onyx. Let me let me make you look like an Onyx. And he's like, what's that? And then I'll show him, like, a go to Google and show him an Onyx. And I say, when I oil you up, that's what you look like. You're, <laughs> you're a gem. And, you know, I just try to feed that into him to want him to love um, his complexion. Yes. It, it's, so. it's one of those, you, you don't want to uh, rob your children uh, your your black sons to be specific uh, of life and experiences and, and I remember what you said about you know one day having to have those conversations about hey you can't do what your counterparts are, are able to do and I, I feel bad about that but it is it, it, it's tough but we live by these unwritten rules and how are you going to navigate that how are, help me how are you going to navigate these unwritten rules that that people won't blatantly say but that you know exist and you know will affect how your black son will be able to move in this world i i have to reflect back on my childhood and my mother is biracial and um she always would kind of give me these same warnings like you have to work twice as hard and blah 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 and I remember being a kid thinking, that's not true. You know, as a kid, you think everything is fair and square. Mm-hmm. And you think, you know, you you don't see the injustices and you don't see the uh, the imbalance. It, everything is just equal. Mm-hmm. And it's, and then when you get older and you start to see it and you're like, wow, my mom was so right. Yeah. And I wish I would have listened and or paid more attention or... You know, I, I remember just having this dismissive thought, and she used to give me these warnings and ask me to tell me how to move and operate in circles and certain in, in places. And 
I remember she would defend me so hard against some teachers that she knew were out for me. Mm. And I used to be embarrassed. Mm. And so I I don't want my child to feel like that. Like, I don't want him to dismiss my truth, and I don't want him to be embarrassed when I have to stand up for him. But I need him to know that I will fight his battles, and if these battles need to be fought, and they exist. But I and I don't want to jade him, like you said. It's such a it's such a delicate balance, and I just feel like to counter that, I think I have to inject more positivity, black positivity, into him. Mm-hmm. That he'll his love for himself will just yes allow everything to to be, to come you know, to fruition for him. Like, he'll, he'll realize on his own because he loves himself so much. I, I see in our community, like, some people, somehow we call people, like, self-loathing or, mm-hmm. you know, we use the terms like Uncle Tom and so forth. And I do think that comes from a place of always being told the negative about us and then on top of that, um, always being told that we'll have stacks, uh, chips stacked up against us. But I feel like if we if you positivity about ourselves, that will empower them, and that's the that's the angle that I'm trying to. They have yes. two children, mm-hmm. and they're 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 generations apart. I wish I have a huge gap between my children, and I'm just trying to do things a little differently mm-hmm. um, with this child. <clears throat> so I have a daughter too, so it's it's definitely different. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when you brought up your mom, um, how she would you know, go to bat for you. I remember growing up and, and I thought that my mother was absolutely nuts. Like every single thing (laughs) went to, don't make me have to come to school. You know, I'll cut someone, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, what in Mm -hmm. the world? A knife? Like what is that? (laughs) Like what's happening here? And then I got pregnant and then I had a child and I was like, Oh no, she's not crazy. She's just a mother. But she was already that crazy and she didn't even have a black son. So I'm like the, the even crazier than her. And I'm trying to, you know, do things right. But I don't know what that means and what that looks like. I was watching this um, interview. It was a discussion that got kind of heated. And they were talking about how far you should go with talking to your kids about race. And it was funny because it just so happened to be that the men was pretty much saying you shouldn't tell your kids that the color of their skin can evoke pretty much a negative response from another race if they're made uncomfortable and that they can get away with doing something terrible to you. And the woman who happens to also be a mother of a black son said that it was irresponsible to not tell our sons that because pretty much because you're black, you can make someone feel uncomfortable just being you and they can harm you and get away with it. And I don't think I've processed that yet. And I'm wondering for you how that makes you feel. And if you agree with either side. I'm thinking about it as you said it. Um, I think it's, I think age plays a factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 like I said, it's heavy information for these kids. And you have to gauge 
they how they will respond to it. Some kids are more sensitive than others. Um, I don't think there's a right or wrong. But that goes back to what I just said. I'd rather just speak that positivity into them. And I, I don't want to, I don't like the language that your skin makes someone uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that was I don't, the word. Yes. I don't like, I don't like that language. I would probably say they have issues within themselves. Mm-hmm. And when they see you, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with you. Like I would rather it, the, the onus be on the person who, yeah. who is, inflicting the harm not not on the victim and and i and i get the point and i understand that but i just i i would phrase it in a way to where it's them not you no it's never you i i said earlier today uh speaking with another mother that i hate having conversations uh with my sons about things that are just out of their control and how comfortable you make somebody feel just because the way you look is totally out of your control. And it is, it's heavy. It Mm -hmm. is heavy. So the one question that I am asking every uh, mother of a black son that I'm speaking to today is how do you educate advocate and celebrate your black sons and and I am very specific and intentional with these questions because I am sucking it all in for myself I have to be honest with you because the the uh, answers that I have gotten today have inspired me so much and and given me lots of just hope and inspiration. So I am going to ask you the same thing. How do you educate, advocate, and celebrate your black boys? Educate? Um, boy, I'm sorry. Your black boy. My black boy. So I, I read to him uh, black heroes, sports, um, even old ancient heroes, like going in the, in the Bible. And I tell him, like yesterday, he asked, um, just yesterday, who's Jesus? Uh, we're not a heavily religious family at all, mm-hmm. but um, I, I described uh, Jesus as a martyr. And he said, was he black? I said, of course he was. I said, but you're not going to be taught that in school, and you're not going to be taught that in, in, in society, but he was, and I need you to know that. Mm-hmm. And and I, I that's one way I educate him. Um, the other advocate, how do I advocate for my son? I mean, just marching, mm-hmm. I, I contribute, I contribute to, um, sorry, he came in here. Okay. I don't know. I hope that didn't disturb no, anything. You're fine. <laughs> My husband was supposed to be watching him because, you know, I had a phone call, but you know how husband. I sure do. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, um, the advocate part, um, like I said, I've been protesting. I haven't said this, but I've, I've, I've been protesting and marching for many years now. Um, I used to take my daughter with me, and now I'm taking my son. But not only that, I, I, I donate and I pledge to organizations like the ACUL and Color for Change. And I, I do want to start working in uh, activism because I'm starting to realize it's really passionate to me, and I, I can't. Sitting at in my job and being muted is causing me stress. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another way I advocate for my son. Um, 
and celebrate. Celebrate him. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm always bigging him up. Um, I share his pictures on social media with my friends. They big him up, Black Boy Joy, and we, and I show him pictures, and I say, look how everybody's cheering for you, everybody's wishing you a happy birthday, and look at everybody saying this great things about you, and I just really encourage him to be who he wants to be. You know, I don't put him into a box, mm-hmm. like this is what Black boys have to do. Like, it kind of saddens me that he's not really in R&B and hip-hop, it kind of blows me and he can't can't dance at all but he um he really likes rock really and yes and me and my husband are like oh okay so i he so i make him listen to prince i'm like well if you're gonna listen to you really like guitar you like really like guitarist we're gonna get you onto prince i love you know and so I, i i try to you know i he I let him be him. I let him. He's quirky. He's he's a he's a precocious little boy, and I let him. I let him do him because I want him to grow into loving himself, and I just want him to be brave in this world, and that's how I, I celebrate him. Be brave! Oh my gosh, that's such a great way to end this conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, I have to I have to tell you that this is my first time meeting you, but I am certainly looking forward to uh, a lot more conversations like this. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy always available. That the kids are close in age, so that makes me very happy. And I just want to thank you for taking time to talk about this uh, highly emotional uh, topic today. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and I look forward to re-meeting you again. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Enjoy this beautiful Sunday. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Welcome to the conversation. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I know that this can be uh, quite draining and daunting to mothers of black sons to have to continuously talk about protecting them in this world. Um, So I truly appreciate uh, you agreeing to be a part of the conversation. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Yes, it's been tough having the conversation, um, especially with my son being so young, just trying to find the right words to explain what is happening and finding the right ways to answer so that he's knowledgeable, but he's not afraid. So I'm glad you said that. So how old is your son? So my son, Connor, is five years old. He'll be six in August. Okay. And he loves to tell everybody that. <laughs> yes, that's a big deal because that's coming up soon. So he is five and right. a half. You, you got this all wrong. He is five and three quarters. Five and a half. That's, this is true. <laughs> so so I, I am going to ask questions that uh, may be a little off-putting, but I, I mean them. And, and, and I've expressed uh, to other mothers that I had a conversation with today that I am soaking this all. I'm learning from you all because I am um, moving to me in a slow motion. So I needed this. So I am just going to ask you a couple of questions. And the first one I want to ask you is, does he know he is black? Yes. 
he is very aware of his identity as not only black, but I am a member of the Rosebud Sioux tribe, and so we are Lakota. So he's aware of that heritage as well, and he's proud to be both black and Native American. And yes, from a very early um, age, we made him aware of who he is and his background, his heritage, his culture, his traditions. Does he know, with all those beautiful things that that come with that, does he know the other part, the other side of it? At, at five you know, and a half, does, are, have you gone there just yet? We have a little bit um, in the sense that we have read books about the Underground Railroad. We have read books about Jackie Robinson. Um, even today, he had said, um, when I was trying to explain to him about the protest, he said, like Martin Luther King Jr. mom, when people were not being treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. So he has some contacts. And I remember, honestly, must have been about two years ago when it was President's Day weekend. And I said, um, Connor, you know it's President's Day weekend? And he said, yes, I know about George Washington. I said, well, what do you know about him? And he said, I know that he did not treat brown and black people very nicely, and he was an old, old man. <laughs> and I said, yes, that is, all of that is true, very true. And I, um, so we give him the real, um, but that's just how we were raised as well. I mean, my parents never sugarcoated anything, and so I always knew both sides of the story, not just what was presented to me in textbooks or in my classroom lessons. I knew um, my parents made sure, again, that I just had a very strong sense of who I was and knew our full history. So I happened to come across this article written by a a woman named uh, Danny McLean, and pretty much the title of the article, uh, I'm not going to get into the article, but the title of the article in of itself uh, says a lot. And it says, as a black mother, my parenting is always political. And it was, you know, I, I, sometimes I just want to take my kids out for a snowball and not have to think, well, what neighborhood am I going to go in and get this snowball? Will people give us a look? Will we have to, and and I said in a previous uh, interview, I mean, all the way down to college, you have this kid that's ready to go off into the world and you have to think, now maybe not there because I don't know how many black people, they may see you as a threat. They may not be used to, I, I mean, it was, I, I mean, and she went as far as, to brown and black mothers dying, uh, giving birth because of these uh, politics that surrounded. And it was overwhelmed. Like, I am uh, overstimulated by all of this. And I am Mm -hmm. trying to connect and learn and suck as much out of other mothers like you that I can. Because I want to know, is parenting our black sons political so i've never thought of 
about it that way, but I'm going to have to say yes, in the sense that we have to think of so many more facets than a white mom. Um, and so, absolutely, I we have more conversations, deep conversations, and we have to talk about uh, the world, um, global politics. We have to talk about national politics. We have to talk about lo- local politics with our son so they understand exactly um, where they fit in to the picture and where they want to fit into the picture, how we have to make that happen. And so it is, and it's, I think it's necessary just for um, the protection of our, of our families. I don't want my son to grow up naive, but I do want him to enjoy his innocence. Mm-hmm. And so while mothering him is political, it doesn't mean I have to object him to every thought that I'm having or every decision that I'm making. He's at an age where I can consciously decide where we're going to eat, go to school, play, what groups we're going to join without having to explain all of that to him. I just get to what let I just get to let him enjoy that yes. without him having to know everything that goes into making these decisions. And as he gets older, we will have those conversations. Well, why are we friends with these folks? Mama? Why do I have to go to these meetings? And why, why do I have to watch these? Because I just need you to be aware. I want you as an adult and as, and as you grow into your adulthood, to understand how to make informed decisions. And the best way I can do that is to equip them with all of the information um, necessary, not just what looks good or feels good. And so, um, so for now, it will always be political for, for me. That's mm-hmm. just my nature. But for now, it, I don't have to burden him with that piece. I just get to do that on my own and let him enjoy uh, the outcome of that. No, I love that. And, and I think that uh, one thing that I haven't discussed today is uh, our mental health as mothers uh, raising black sons. And I think the way you just so eloquently put that, that's a great way. You make these deso- these, these decisions uh, based on what you believe is best and you kind of protect him from all the lies and all the, you know, underlining reason, right. underlying reasons why you make these decisions. And I think that's important. And, I'm so glad you said that because I'm highly emotional and I don't want to say anything that's going to, like you said, take away his innocence and his joy because he deserves that black boy joy. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Our sons deserve that. Our our children deserve that. Our families deserve that. Our communities deserve that. And, um, and while I think, so I'll say this, you know, it's hard to know what you don't know. So all I know as a mother is to is be concerned and be worried, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decision? Um, and, you know, to have some anxious thoughts about what's happening with our children while at the same time trying to provide that space so that they can grow and learn on their own as well. So I toggle between am I coddling him too much or am I pushing him too much? And for me, I, I just think that um, that that's just my struggle as a as a mother. I won't even say the black mother, just as a mother. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Um, 
and and it certainly does take uh you know after he goes to sleep or when I wake up early, you know I always say am I am I being the best mother that I can be? And it's hard, but it's it's everything that I've ever wanted. So all I can do is pray over him and and, and ask um, God to watch our family so that we are doing what's right for us all. Yes. I didn't expect to get emotional. Yes, no, that, but, um... I'm sorry about, like, <laughs> listen, this is, th- but, but it is emotional. It is, it is, you know, pa- I don't care what mother of what you're raising. I don't care if you're raising a cat. We are emotional <laughs> about the people that, and, and, and what we love and, you know, what control we have we tried to exert but there is a world that one day we have to unleash on our boys and for now I'm crying with you because I am going to do whatever it takes to protect them and 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 keep them I I don't you know I, I said previously like I don't want to rob my children from experiences and and enjoyment because I have these these fears and I do I'm going to tell right. you I decided to have a podcast around raising black sons a mother's raising black sons because not to exclude anybody else but because right now I'm feeling lost and all I have to cling to is love. All I have to cling to is my belief in God and what I believe that he'll do in covering my family. So I feel you. Those emotions are real and they are needed. And you can't mother without them. I don't care. You can't mother right. without them. <laughs> you cannot mother without them. And and I'm so glad that I chose to to have this conversation and I'm so glad that I asked you I you know I I went to my my network first and they didn't let me down and uh we've had conversations I know how much you love your family I feel how much you love your family every time I'm around you and this is why in my selfish reasonings for having uh this podcast I asked you I was purposeful with that, and you gave me everything that I thought you were. I want to ask you one oh, thank thing you. before uh, I let you go today. How do you educate, advocate, and celebrate your black son? So uh, I educate by making sure that he is able to grasp grasp the full picture um, of whatever's happening in a situation, as well as have a strong sense of who he is um, and and how far he can go in society. To me, the sky is the absolute limit, regardless of what any labels uh, anybody puts on him or how anyone perceives him. How he perceives himself is the most important thing to me at this time. And so I make sure he has a lot of self-love by knowing who he is and all the great things that people that look like him have done. With regards to advocacy, I am involved with his teachers, with other parents, with 
uh, the other students to let them know who my son is as well. So he can have a sense of pride in sharing who he is as a, an, uh, a black and native boy in a classroom that's predominantly white, in a school that is predominantly white. Um, and and that he will always have um, this, this again, um, not just a, a love for himself, but he'll be able to open others' minds and hearts to what it, to his experiences. And, and the parents in his school have been incredible, as well as the school itself and the teachers. So, so I advocate at the school level um, for him now. And then what was the last part? It was educate, advocate, and celebrate. And celebrate. Ah, I celebrate him uh, like not even daily, like hourly. <laughs> we have a mini celebration um, just because uh, the, the love is, it just, you know, overflows. And so we talk about his accomplishments. We talk about um, areas that he needs to work on. And we, and we just love up on each other as much as possible, um, especially during these times. Um, and, and I learn from him. I don't, my job isn't to just teach him. My job is to learn from him as well to grow in this experience with him. And so um, we celebrate all victories, regardless of the size, and we discuss all, um, and all, all challenges. And I, I'm trying to raise a resilient young man, not someone who thinks that the world is going to be just, you know, handed to him on a silver platter, mm-hmm. that he's going to have to work for things. And, and this is how we celebrate, um, you know, all, all progress. It's uh, it's a whole love celebration in this house every day. And I truly know that to be true. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I truly appreciate you. You have filled me up. And um, now that I have uh, sucked all of the information <laughs> that I can <laughs> out of you about mothering your uh, black son, black and native son, um. I I am going to leave fulfilled. Thank you. I love you. And I look forward to us continuing this conversation. I love you too. I'll Thank you, Marche. Love it. Hugs and kisses. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, just wow. I don't know uh, how I can uh, thank these mothers of Black Sons for sharing their thoughts and feelings and emotions, especially during a time like Uh, what we're dealing with now. I think that uh, all mothers share in so many of these emotions that uh, I only went for Mothers of Black Sons for this episode because I am a mother of black sons and I have been feeling a little lost and over emotional, I think. and, And I just needed to connect And uh, these connections are important for any mother in any circumstance that need those connections. Um, I want to thank them for sharing and being so open and being so honest. And uh, I am looking forward to a follow up to this episode. And I'm looking forward to your comments about this episode. And I am looking forward to a world like one of the mothers said that uh, love is love and we don't have to have these conversations anymore. Thank you.
Last Advocate with Marche Taylor Templeton, now streaming on all platforms.